Hello, every... Oh, <laughs> sorry. First blooper of the day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe and the monthly UAP book club. This month, we're talking about messengers of deception, UFO contacts, and cults. And um, we have a lovely panel today, as usual. It's a little smaller today because... Vinny's getting ready for his Lou thing and all that stuff. So um, it's just going to be us today. And everybody in the audience, thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much for joining. If you're watching later on YouTube, thanks again. I appreciate all the support from everybody. And if you're live, as always, you're amazing and the best. All right, guys, let's let's start. So let's go around and kind of give like overall impressions of the book. And I'll start with Grain. So it's a long time since I've read anything by Jacques Vallée, which is probably sacrilege amongst these kind of like lofty uh, kind of positions here. Um, the last time I wrote, uh, read one was Passport and Magonia, when I was about maybe 15 or 16. So it's a long time ago. Um, and what I've heard since has never entirely sort of made me running back to, ja to Valet for some reason and you know I'm going to get I'm going to get real hate mail in my inbox now for saying things like this but thank you for getting me to come back to this book because it's a one that makes you think now my kind of default view for you know, cults and all these kind of things the contactee kind of societies from the 50s and 60s is that they were just like you know either in search of a, a book or they, they found a way to make money or they were just trying to fool people or they were deluded. You know, you pick any one that you want. And, and I still have kind of those views today because I keep thinking that there's all these people who promise this is that and the other's going to happen. And it never does. And Valet says that in the book because you know, he comes back to the fact that these people who he meets up with and who are pra practicing love and light and, and, you know, contact with people from who knows where uh, channeling information through these various people on earth and they're promising things and it never happens and that's a recurrent theme through the book but there's also bits thrown in which i keep thinking why is that there for um and i still haven't come to terms with some of it and it's one of these books again that you, like american cosmic that you're going to have to read se several times for it all to sink in it's not a nuts and bolts book, and that's what I'm used to. So that's probably why I struggle as well. Um, just a case in point. I mean, the, the, the questions about the, um, the, the the MiG 21, the Cuban MiG 21s that are, that were lost in the uh, terrain, the Tehran um, F4 Phantom from from '76, they're thrown in at the start of a chapter about intelligence, but then they, it, but then it's not covered afterwards. So I can't, I keep thinking, well, why have you thrown these in? And it wasn't immediately clear, and it's still not clear to me at the moment why that's there. I'm sure somebody uh, here is going to fill me in. But So there's a lot of questions in this book, and he's asking questions of various things, but I'm not entirely sure he answers them all uh, to any great degree. And I'm left with more questions than I, uh, than I had when I started, uh, which might be a good thing. Yeah, I think that I, I resonate with a lot of that because it was like... I started with, with all this, just kind of like knowing my experiences and what they meant. But then after reading this, like, a, and, and American Cosmic, I'm like, holy crap. It's like reformatted how I'm viewing everything. And this one here was full of questions and not a lot of answers, but a lot of interesting questions have come up. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, I, uh, I think I'll start by saying I'm kind of, I feel like I'm an unapologetic valet Ian. I'm very much uh, in the vein of a Jacques Vallée kind of studying whatever the heck this is doing to us, uh, you know, in part because 
I don't have direct access to whatever it actually is. Uh, so it's sort of, you know, I, I really resonate with him in his kind of attempt to understand what's underneath it by just looking at what it's causing people to do. It's so it's if you've read Passport to Magonia, it's it's not that, you know, kind of too divergent uh, from from that book. Um, I think Passport Magonia is definitely where I would start if you haven't read any Valet. I think it's a good one to begin with because it gets into more of kind of the history of uh, ufology and looks at a lot of um, you know, kind of corollaries and ancient uh, experiences to to modern UFO experiences. This book, you know, for me, it was. Um, I mean, I got to be on. Well, before I get to, the, to this point, I want to say, you know, I'm so grateful to have Jacques Vallée. So, I mean, you know, this book is 40 years old. It's about as old as I am. Um, and uh, actually, I think it is as old as I am. And so, you know, reading it and thinking about the things that we're talking about in, in our kind of weekly discussions, it, it kind of honestly is a little bit frustrating because <laughs> it's like, we haven't gotten that far uh, in our understanding of what this is. And, uh, you know, I think where he lands at the end of the book is really, quite frankly, where we are still struggling to get to right now. Um, and that is that uh, when you kind of take into consideration all of the things that are out there, all of the nuts and bolts combined with the various experiences, combined with the, uh, the cultish groups that he talks about and all of these things, if you're going to try to explain them in, in one comprehensive way, we need a we need a model that does that adequately. And he tries to and he proposes a couple of those. And he says, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I don't particularly agree with um, the first couple that he put forward. You know, there's kind of like a human group that has really uh, mastered this in some way. But I do think he's I think he's unsettled by that decision, too. I think you kind of get the sense that he. He knows it's it lies beyond Graham, like you said. It doesn't really kind of come to a uh, a very pinpoint conclusion here. It's um, an invitation in a way to say we've we still got to put more into this than what we have so far to understand what's going on. So uh, very much enjoyed it. Um, I didn't kind of enjoy the sort of detailed in, interworkings of like the cults that he studies as as much. Other than for me to say, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into this in the discussion, I think, but for those who've had more personal experiences, I would love to know how you, uh, you know, so Jay and Priscilla and others, you know, how you read those kinds of accounts, you know, so how you interpret them through the lens of your own experiences. Do they, you know, really challenge what you've been through? Um, you know, as, as we all know people that you know, feel like they're getting specific messages of some kind that, that, you know, take in a certain direction. And this book for me just kind of says like, those are like absurdities. They're sort of uh, the absurdity or the delusion of it is kind of the point. And, you know, just kind of curious what, what others may think about that, but I'm sure we'll get into that later on. Yeah, that's a great question. Definitely. Um, we'll get to that because it's changed a lot of uh, how I viewed I was saying before, but we came on. Um, it's changed a lot of how I like view the phenomenon, like with my experiences and just in general. Like it's it's everything's been different since reading these books. So, yeah, um, Sean, what about you? This is your pick, and you keep rigging it, <laughs> and your books keep getting picked somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, again, this is a book that was recommended to me by somebody else, so I, I figured this would be a good way to to you know bring it into the group of uh, ladies of respected authors. So. And I think, um, you know, 
I'll actually bring it back to the interview Jay and I had with uh, Mr. Elizondo and, you know, kind of um, the, um, you know, charlatans and hoaxers, you know, words specifically used actually in, in this book um, it, that kind of take up the vacuum or, you know, kind of exist in the vacuum of UAP information that we have now, you know, when there isn't stuff coming in, you know, it gets filled with people making up whether it's their own religions or clinging to different beliefs or, um, you know, making little cult groups or whatever. And not all of it is always outright either and obvious and defined. It, it can be subconscious layers of ideas where people just congregate around for no real specific reason other than it fits their subconscious beliefs or sometimes conscious beliefs, you know, and it's really dangerous to do with this stuff because, you know, I think the book lays it out really well that um, we don't really have any information to back any of it up that makes sense, you know, um, some of which are like the regressions that he studied where, you know, um, some people were, were um, regressed that specifically did not have any uh, encounters and came out with experiences that were pretty close, if not identical to, um, you know, a, previously known abduction experiences, which that's, that is extremely interesting to me. So what does that mean? That does it, that doesn't mean that they're not real, but does it mean that it's something that could or does exist in some sort of way in everybody's subconscious? I think at the end of the day, this book really uh, forces you to open up your way of thinking about uh, everything and realizing that any preconceived uh, notions on what we're dealing with or what it could be doing or what it's about can really just, you know, go to the trash because he kind of almost destroys each and every one of them, you know? And, and I think more than anything, that's what I took, took away from, from most of this book is, is that, um, you know, he, he talks about a controlled system, but I think almost the book left me with the frustration of living with, with an uncontrolled system, you know, something that you don't have control of. Um, and, and can't necessarily figure out, you know, but you're also tempted constantly to, to land on something because it makes you feel better, but that's not necessarily reality either, you know? So I, I think the book is a, almost like a big abstract painting for you to, you know, put together your own thoughts while, while reading it or looking at it, you know, I think it, yes. it helps you sort through your own thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even like reorganizing your own thoughts at times, because honestly, between American Cosmic and this, I'm like everything that I, I'm just, it's really, I'm not just saying this to be dramatic. Like it's really, really changed the way I viewed all of this. And I've lost a lot of, um, I've, I'm not that I had a ton of followers, but I lost a lot of the like um, love and light type followers. And they kind of don't like the fact that I'm saying like, hey, like, you know, you think they're here to save us, but they haven't saved us since the beginning of mankind, you know, from pre-biblical times, like, you know, you know, from Samaria to now, nothing's really saved anything. It's not, it's our shit show. You know what I mean? So um, I've lost a lot of people that way because even though I'm a very spiritual person, I also am still here on earth and I still see things a certain way. And I and I used to not. So this has changed all that for me, too, and made me ask, like, myself more questions because things are not as cut. If you think you know everything, it's like 
be prepared. If you're not thinking, sure, you know everything. But if you decide to go down these rabbit holes and ask more questions, you're not you're going to realize like you're just going to end up with more questions. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I agree um, with a lot of what everybody was just saying. Um, and, you know, they, they haven't saved us from nuclear war in the past, but, you know, they have built really cool pyramids. So there's that. I'm just kidding. I'm playing around. Um, but, um, you know, I think the, I think this I think this book is really fascinating. Valet is really interesting for so many different reasons. I mean, not just because he went from being an astronomer that was one of the first people to um, map Mars, you know, and then went on to be on the development team for the goddamn internet, you know, at, at ARPA, you know, the guys had like a wild history. Um, and I think one thing to, that's an interesting overlay is that Jacques Vallée, you know, he, he, the, the way he puts it when he's asked about his, his ufology and being the big guy in ufology and whatnot, He's, he portrays it as a hobby, right? Now, I don't know anybody else, and it's important to remember that, that when he talks about, about tricksters, like in Passport to Magonia, when he talks about human tricksters and messengers of deception, it's a theme that keeps coming up. But we also have to remember that Jacques Vallée himself is a trickster, because I don't know anybody else who writes 14 books, on the, and that's their hobby. You know what I mean? <laughs> Situation like that. And... Much of his work, even as a Silicon Valley venture capitalist investor, you know, most that was seeded by NASA. So, you know, this this guy, everything wraps back into his his kind of leading edge thought in many ways with regard to the phenomenon and and ufology, be it nuts and bolts or be it elves. You know what I mean? And I think I think one of the things that um, that we find here is that there are a lot of nuts and bolts researchers, um, like you put it, Graham, that, that kind of shy away from valet or don't, or don't put too much weight into him because, um, he doesn't outside of the back half of passport to Magonia and wonders in the sky. He doesn't typically just sit around and list cases. Right. Um, and he gets into the wilder, more esoteric and more psychological aspects of the phenomenon, especially in this book. But for that reason, I find him actually super useful from a nuts and bolts perspective, because this book, Messengers of Deception, does an amazing job of dismantling, as you put it, Priscilla, like very effectively dismantling like a whole wing of ufology and paranormal studies that wants to make um, the mysterious into a formalized religion in one way or another. Um, and so in that way, this book that was written in 1979 is incredibly prescient, incredibly important. And, and it still feels very timely right now because some of the UFO cults and to, for those that are watching, I mean, the general crux of the book, the general thing that he's saying here is that, you know, UFOs may be real and they may not be real, but the impact, like Diana Pasolka did, says that 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 it doesn't matter if they're real or not because they have implications on human psychology and the way people try to manipulate each other. I think that, in a nutshell, could be seen as kind of like the central thesis of the book. 
And um, and again, he's being a trickster by doing that. Um, I'll end there, but it, before we kind of reflect on that or whatever else we'd like to. But the the start of the book, it's called the case against the spacecraft, and he spends like forty pages with ridiculous assertions that are huge generalizations that he would normally never do and 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 then he goes on to do the rest of the book right and and like graham put it you know there's these weird elements that he throws into his books where it's like why the fuck is that there like what sorry i cussed i, I hope that's okay you're fine, on, on you're the fine. i'm not i'm not getting any money off of anything so you could cuss all you want <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, but um, you know, there's a lot of bizarre elements to the book. Um, this, this, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. The psychology aspect is, is really uh, really struck with me because as somebody who's and you, you know, some of you guys have too who have who have studied the early uh, documents on, you know, um, UFOs. And what sticks out to me most is like the, the Robinson panel, but but other um, paperwork that came before that were really focused on the psychological aspect of this. Yeah. I mean, at that time, they sent it to um, <clears throat> the federal civil something um, board to give it a full psych, uh, psych evaluation and to give recommendations for that. Um, and, and the CIA did that. You yeah. know, they basically and, thought it was messing with people's heads or it had the potential it, to do right. that, didn't they? And it Indeed. is. He yep. brings that up again, and, and it like is, he said, um, it is it, just not in the way that you would think. You know, yeah. like it's not like you know when people read that and read those documents, they think, oh, they think we're all just kooks or whatever, <laughs> and that may be the case. But I mean, if you just, but it's still true. Well, like on a personal level too, right? Heads. And like yeah, on a person, you could never behavior. tell anybody about it. You could never read a paper about your, um, you know, uh, as even as a military person or whoever you are, you could never. Even if you never mention it to anybody ever again, it affects you in that way. I mean, there's a there's a reason. Like one of the, one of the first things they wanted to look into was the ability to to not only create but control uh, the phenomenon for for psychological warfare. I mean, because it affects people psychologically, you know. And they went on all these studies, and as Valet noted in the book that the Condon report came and went, other reports came and went, and this sighting still happened. People still report things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, considering what can happen with the different religious religions and cults that are made up from this sort of thing, um, it is, you know, uh, dangerous. Yeah. I did Jamie. enjoy that he did go into the cult stuff because I love I've I like studying different religions and psychology as well. So I think that he I liked I found it super interesting that he was there studying these cults at the early formation of it. Like the was it T and Doe from Heaven's Gate or whatever? Is that who they're called? They, I know they, <laughs> but um, he said there's three aspects of the UFO problem, physical, psychological and social. So. He, you know, and none of that has changed. Like Jay said, like I, every time I was reading this book and I was like, wait, when was this written? I had to keep going back because I was like, this is exactly stuff that we're still dealing with. But I would like to, um, if you guys want to go around and like ask a question to each other or the panel, that would be, um, I think that'd be fun. So Graham, you want to, do you have anything you want to ask the people here or anything you want to add to what Sean just said? I was going to add something first of all, then I'll try and think of something while I'm talking. Um, Jay mentioned about the you know mass kind of psychology and the, the effects that had, and then Priscilla, you mentioned about you know whether people have the answers um, when they're 
you know, parts of these cults and these contactee societies um, and not having the answers. And he makes a point in, he, he makes a point quite firmly that, you know, if we're expecting like the visitors, let's call them that, to have the kind of the answers and to save us from ourselves, you know, we've got another thing coming because it's not going to happen. And I think that's a, you know, that kind of strand almost goes through ufology from the first days of the contactee cults. Uh, you can go back to like Daniel Fry and, and George Adamski and all the rest of it. Uh, and they'll have this kind of, you know, don't worry about necessarily what, what's going to happen on Earth because, you know, we're going to be saved from nuclear war or we're going to be saved from polluting the planet. Or pick, pick, a, pick a subject, pick, you know, pick a horrible end, and we're going to be saved by it. And actually, we're not necessarily. Um, you know, they're not going to necessarily come down. We could be a lab experiment for all that you know, we, you know, we know. Um, there's a passage in the book, funny enough, that I, I, I would like to know what people's kind of views are on this. You know, is this likely or is this just committed something in, in people's heads because he goes to um he goes to one of these meetings and he meets a, a lady who he asks do you ever meet extraterrestrials and she turned around to him and said i meet them everywhere in the street in the stores they're here they tell me what to do they stop me when i'm about to make mistakes which is a kind of the same thing a bit of a, on a personal level you know it's like is somebody controlling what you're doing well that's just to me, I mean, I don't know what people here think, and that's why I'm asking the question. But to me, that's human interaction. You know, we're always talking to people, and it doesn't matter what walk of life they're from. We gather bits of information and we feed them into our brain, and that then works out our course of action, whether we do the right thing or the wrong thing, or whether we think it's moral or immoral. But we, we make our own decisions. But then saying, well, that, that, that's because they're extraterrestrial. To me, that's just like somebody being a bit kind of sort of, you know, just put, um, making things up. Uh, to like suit a, a, a pattern, but actually it's nothing of the kind. But I'd be interested in what the panel thinks. Well, that's kind of how people talk about, uh, you know, some people talk about God or or, or Jesus Religion, or whatever, yeah. right? He's everywhere, omnipotent, you know, omnipresent. Uh, whatever I do, whatever I think of, whatever decisions I make, you know, I just, are guided uh, by that. So, yeah, very true, very interesting. Um, more on the psychological aspect for sure, yeah. And yeah, whoever wants to respond to that, feel free. Yeah, it, it reminds me a bit of what, it's something that we, we were talking about the other day, Sean, which is that, and I think this is, again, part of this book. It's uh, very important that he brought up American Cosmic. It's, it's pervasive in there as well with Diana Pasolka's brilliant work. Um, and of course, Jacques Vallée is a character. Uh, yeah, so she in finds herself process. in this situation too, right? Like a lot of the things that we're going through. She's mm -hmm. remember the part in her book where she was like, uh, you know, I came to Jacques with this, like I knew how it worked. I figured it out. I, I figured I nailed like the religion aspect of it. I knew exactly. What, and then he tells her something and she's like, wait, never mind. Yeah. And she's brilliant. You know, she's a brilliant person. So it's just like. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, I mean, I think from the people that I've heard comment on him, and this came up, I think, in that Wired profile that came out a week or two on Jacques Vallée, um, <clears throat> that, that one of his, one of the most useful things about Jacques Vallée, if you know him as a friend or a colleague, is that he's incredibly good at completely casually dismantling your, your preconceptions. Or whatever, whatever you're kind of hypothesizing, he like a laser pointer will will focus on the weakness in your argument, and 
you know, I'm sure that that's <clears throat> frustrated many, many people over the years and including people within our own field. There are a lot of people that considered Jacques Vallée and his, shi his shifting, evolving thought to be kind of like a Judas um, within our own field in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I find that in some ways to be, you know, when we look back at, at the career of this 82 year old man, you know, I think that, that that's one of the best things about him is that he's like, that he's challenged our preconceptions and that he's made people think harder about what's going on and that he is kind of an inauthentic narrator, you know? Like you can't quite trust what he says sometimes in some of this stuff, right? He spends like in like yeah. forty pages trying to say that flying saucers don't exist, and then he goes on to talk about how they do exist. You know, he goes it's back almost and like forth we're reading his thought like process. That. Do you know, like, um, yeah. you know, how, like when you're thinking through something, like you have all these like random thoughts and your aha moment, and then like ten minutes later, you're like, that wasn't, that's not right either. It sounds, it seems like he's giving us every everything that he every theory he comes up with every thought process that he's going through it's almost as if he is a messenger of deception <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you doing john Got it. <laughs> you know i think it's really uh it's interesting that a computer scientist essentially is uh, kind of pushing us to some different associations here and i loved that he you know kind of ends the book bringing elements of computer science into the model of reality itself. And I think we're seeing a lot of that conversation take place in, uh, in modern ufology, where we are, particularly when we're talking about consciousness, um, a mental universe, you know, sort of how things are connected. Uh, you know, there seems to be this, um, and to your kind of point, Graham, there's like this, like, associative quality of of existence itself like there's like a uh, just like just like in our own minds where we communicate we're using words but those words are creating you know symbols and they connect with in our minds with other ideas and those ideas connect with other ideas these are these are like associate associations that are that are occurring not in a uh, as he as he points out not in a linear sort of space-time way but in a, in a kind of abstract uh you know, sort of intermingled way, a neural network way, if you will. And so I, you know, I think that there's, if we think about that in relation to the phenomenon itself, what we're looking at here is uh, sort of a drive towards uh, sort of new ways of association uh, in, in, in thinking period, you know, so and I can tie this back to history as well. You know, you brought up kind of the salvific quality of disclosure Exona Academia and I kind of talked about disclosure in our last episode, but there, you know, there has always been this element that uh, sort of uh, once once revelation occurs, you know, there will be this sort of salvific moment where our problems will be solved, etc. That's a part of really human culture from the very beginning, right? So, uh, you know, what I see in kind of that that grand arc from the past to now is this uh, process of refinement in a way, and it's imperfect and it's not linear. It's not like we can say each successive generation makes progress that they don't ever regress. You know, it is a kind of a spiraling type of progress, maybe in, a, uh, in an integral theory type of way uh, where, where we are associating our lived experience with phenomenal experience, 
we are laying on to phenomenal experience elements of our lived experience re repackaging that and then then new phenomenal experience arises that that and that that process is recursive so there's some you know almost like a teleological uh, purpose to to the universe itself that we are just a part of that mind at large we are we are engaged together in this meaning making endeavor that brings greater sort of um whatever whatever it may be beauty or or awareness or you know sort of higher levels of consciousness to to reality itself i know that's like i just went from like one place to another and went crazy woo on everyone but you know how else do you try to tie all these things together other than saying this is just some sort of technology that is like messing with all of our brains and we're you know here we are just kind of you know subject to it at any point anywhere anytime well yeah i think that consciousness is going to have to be part of the conversation and we look at like the like the way our brain like neurons look and then you look at kind of like um diagrams of things like string theory and the universe and and all that like there's not like there has to be something to it otherwise how if if what he's saying is true like they they have the ability um you know one of the things he had suggested is like you know they have the ability to kind of uh ch like control what we're seeing if that's true that would make sense for a lot as he pointed out in the book but also like there that that I mean, it, that is our subconscious. That is our, you know, that is our subconscious at play. And it's also like our conscious life at play. And we're, like you said, like making this thing that out of everything that we've ever seen. And as mentioned before in American Cosmic, like we're basically like recording, like our brains are recording all the time, whether we know it or not, or realize it or not. And the brain cannot differentiate between a Steven Spielberg movie and your dog running across, the, you know, running in front of you. It, it's still an event in your mind. Right. So and just a quick point there, you know, not only is it just they who have an effect on us, we control what we, what we create as well. We, and we, we see this every, all the time. All of us look at events unfolding in the world and we have very different interpretations of what is there. Um, another example in recent, uh, recent months, uh, the color blue wasn't even a color that was in the lexicon <laughs> or understanding in history. Yeah. So, you know, the ways in which our minds uh, map onto reality or perceive, you know, literally do have an effect on what is there. And, you know, quantum mechanics is telling us this as well, that the observer itself, us, plays a role in what is actually happening. That is insane because everything that we see, you know, like your our brain is just like it's just a collection of things that we've gathered, and then we get this other outside input, and then we're just like output. Like our brain's just like this is the output, and you can condition yourself to have certain like you know if you do like if you meditate like with certain tones or stuff like that, study to with certain music on kind of like in a more you know normal like a more <laughs> everyday uh, idea. The unique aspect of us being conscious, uh, as consciousness yeah. means being aware. So when that output comes and that input comes, you still have the choice to be aware of what is coming in and what is leaving and being able to evaluate that before and afterwards. You know. But what if we're uh, not aware of what they're putting out and they're just putting it out? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what the, sure. But then again, that's where art and music comes from, right? We get... Where does that come? Like we put it out and it's but, just but there. That almost gets more to a discussion of just like complete chaos. <laughs> and, do, and do some people have filters and therefore some people experience the phenomenon in different true. ways. You know, people yeah. like Jay, you know, um, Sean, Priscilla, I don't know whether you have Nathan, 
but I mean, I, I, as far as I'm aware, I haven't. I, I've seen something, but that's all. I've never had anything happen personally. Um, but so maybe I have a different filter. Yeah, yeah, that's completely. Well, what's it's, interesting? I have a good question, uh, Jay. Why don't you go? But I have a good next question. Whenever we're ready. Yeah, for I think that Nathan or Jay or Sean, you guys are all. It's uh, your turn to ask a question or a comment. Go ahead, Jay. Sure. Um, one thing that one thing that this reminds me of. I think I think we touched on this when I was first on on Quantum Witch Cafe, Priscilla. There's this notable thing that happened that I an experience that I had. Um, back in my mid twenties, I guess I was on and to make it super brief. I was, I was vacationing with a group of people. There's about a dozen of us. We saw these strange orb lights and uh, at least one person took pictures of these orb lights while we were out in the situation. And they put on kind of like a weird show and we eventually started walking back towards the vacation house and a couple of the orbs kind of like tore off along the path that we were going to and, hung around by the house before they it disappeared. And the the most that's not the craziest part of the story. The crazy part of the story is that in the morning around the breakfast table, just like 10 hours later, only half of the people remembered that it had happened. <laughs> and there were two or three people there that swore up and down that it did not happen and were like wow. visibly frustrated with the rest of us that that they would have somehow forgot that or that that would be and for years okay and for years i was like how did they how did that energy make us forget right and the older i get the more that i'm right now i'm kind of in i think that there are aspects to the phenomenon that makes you forget stuff i think that happens and at the same time i think our brains do an exceptionally good job Putting, throwing stuff into the recycling bin that it can't make sense out of, and, which could be a and, lot, right? Yeah, with with the their technology, where they come from, what they look like, even if it's just like an energy signature of what they look like, because like we know that all the matter is just a bunch of little vibrating things, and then now we know they're waves, and then then you get smaller, and they might be strings, and it's like <laughs> so. But it's just, yeah, I mean, that could also just. That could also be a part of like the theory, uh, like that story Gary Nolan was telling uh, his favorite UFO story, you know, where they take pictures of it and they're they're looking at it. it's over the their car or everything is a fantastic looking thing. And then they get back and look at the pictures and it's like a little dot that's, there, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, this thing I was just watching on Earth Lights. I forget his name because he's still new to me, but he's been talking about that for a while, uh, the Earthlight things, I guess, and them being possibly intelligently controlled. But he told a story where, you know, he saw and other people saw them, uh, these lights or orbs from one side and people from the other side were looking in the same direction and couldn't see anything, you know? That's crazy. It's just like, but that kind of leads me to like what the question was that I wanted to ask, which is, you know, the, the kind of uh, trickster aspect of it. I know we talked about this already a little bit, but I guess more more for you, Graham, you know, one of the, the cases that are mentioned in the book is the Betty and Barney Hill case. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's an intense case. And all of this, I feel like, could be like the, the argument for people having psychological issues could be made if it wasn't for these little things that are thrown in there that are these physical aspects that correlate to a sense of ours, you know, whether it be 
um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and in that case, you know, looking it up or whatever and, and finding the file on it, there's a, there's a radar return and a visual return that they wind up saying is, is due to a temperature inversion on the same freaking night, you know? So it's like for you being a nuts and bolts guy, you know, I know you don't go too far into like making decisions on what's true or what's not when it gets, you know, too far out of that or any of it really, because how can you, right? But yeah. does it make you, you know, take stories like that more into account when it's, you know, correlated with something physical like that, like a, like a radar return, or if there was like some odd material or so, or a picture or something. It makes it more it makes it more kind of attractive if you can use that term. Uh, yeah. But I think the way I look at it is I have no I have no frame of reference. I think that's why I fall down in terms of being able to understand what's going on with the psychological side and the experiencer side, um, yeah. you know, contact. It's not something I've had personally. So I've got I, I say I've got no frame of reference. I've got nothing to judge you know, whether what somebody's saying is the truth or not. Uh, it's not that I'm doubting them. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't do that. But I think it's just the fact that I don't have anything to be able to say, oh, yeah, I can understand that. Well, that may not be true. There, you know, that that seems quite plausible. It's just because it's com it's all completely out there. It, it's all it's it is almost like you know you're coming across a, a movie script for the first time if you never knew about the phenomenon uh, right. because it's just so outlandish. But for the people who are involved, it's incredibly real, yeah. um, and therefore, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, you just I still can't get my head around whether or not it is true. And yeah. somewhere like, you know, Jay might have experienced something. You know, I am like your friends on the path who may have not seen it. You know, you're desperately or somebody is desperately telling me a tale that they were whisked away into a flying saucer. Um, and I don't know whether it's true or not. I have to go on their word. But sure. whether that's true or not, because we've heard past in the past that people have made up stories. And unfortunately, there is that element in ufology as well. And you right. have to throw that in the mix. And therefore... Sometimes you have to treat all stories with a little bit of a grain of salt, but you'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt. So it's a very fine line. Uh, I don't know what the answer is to that at all. I, get, I guess kind of where I was getting was it, like, this is going to be really impossible to do, but throw throw everything, you know, about or have learned or have read or whatever about UFOs, abductions, experiences, all of that. And just take two situations. One is a Betty and Barney Hill type situation or that's all you have is is their word and their stories and what they're telling you. And the other one is the same exact one, except you have a radar, an unidentified radar return. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and those are the only two you have to go off of. It's like it in the it one case, you'd be like, you guys are freaking nuts. In the next case, you're like, at least you're like, now that's interesting. It makes it more plausible. <laughs> But when yeah. you look at when you look at some of the radar right. visual cases from the 1950s and, and you see the kind of information they were going through and they're yeah. still being told they're not seeing anything and yet mm -hmm. you've got things you know you've got your, your proof if you like to back it up so yeah. people are not hiding to nothing almost um, trying to get even into the realms of something that's even maybe a little bit more harder to swallow by a lot of the general population um, yeah. although actually when you probably do talk to people they do accept that you know, it's quite possible that people have been sort of, well, the, the world used to be abducted. It, it's nowadays, people use different ter terminology nowadays. Um, it, but it's just almost unfair I don't know what the answer how is, the phenomenon it? does that, you know? Oh, of course, like, yeah. 
I'm just going to give this little piece there. So, you, you know, I have to struggle and think about right. this the rest of your life. You know, right. well, I can well, and the radar thing, right? Like the radar thing is a yeah. very tangible thing. And we have, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in all the documents. And just from me, like kind of looking at the ones that you've shared, you do see like there is something happening. But why is it being so elusive in what it is? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I know you want to leave us to like some people say, oh, well, they're just leaving you to your thing, basically. They're just here to observe or, oh, well, they're, you know, I'm like, are, it's, it's super weird to me. But I mean, it's weird to all of us that they won't just like be straightforward and give the same answer to anybody that's seen something. Well, there's a trickster element again, isn't it? Because the Foo, I mean, I'll go back to the Foo Fighters. They, they, they were being seen, but they weren't being seen Absolutely. on radar, even though they were right on your wingtip um, or they were just in front of the aircraft. And that was well within the range of radar systems of those days. And then you go into the 50s cases, which, Sean, you've been looking at, and you'll see uh, Blue Book cases, case after case after case of pilots seeing things at night, but they don't appear on, on their, you know, their backseat as radar either. So... <laughs> It, it, they've got some kind of, is it a technology or is it just a way of actually putting into people's heads, look, I'm not seeing anything on the scope. You yeah. know, it could be as simple as that. Some and kind of mass kind of psychology where they're just basically blinding people, what we would call now, you know, jamming, but it's actually yeah. jamming people's heads to be able to actually pick up this information. <laughs> it's not just jamming the equipment, it's jamming our no, mind. No, it's jamming people's minds. Yeah, yeah. their bosses Nathan. on the ground or whoever who are just like constantly pushing back. These people like, you know, you can only know if you've actually been through it or seen it, but I can imagine if I was in a fighter jet and had seen as close to I saw in person my real experience up there or whatever, and I come back down and somebody's telling me it's Venus and, you know, how pissed off you are but then you're talking to other pilots and like yeah it's something it's venus i guess i don't know venus is weird yeah and it, like how that Always must venus, haunt right? you the rest of your life haunted by venus you know that should be somebody's yeah. <laughs> nathan yeah, what think you of were it. gonna what ask if they really oh, are from venus then they're not lying man who right. isn't from venus come on you're not I well uh the book club <laughs> yeah so i guess the question and i you know i would ask um how do we, how do, as experiencers, you know, how do you guys read books like, like this that are decades old that have, you know, kind of um, wrestled with these sort of individual moments of revelation and the coming and passing of, of, you know, prophecy mediated to some of these groups? Um, how does that change your own view of your experience? Um, if if your experience has carried with it like a, a level of specificity uh, of message that, you know, you need to do X with your life or you need to tell people it's this or you need to, you know, if there's something that you came away with from that experience that, that felt like you were compelled to do X, how, did, how does reading about these experiences in the literature change your uh, relationship to that experience? I don't know, Jay, if you want to take that one first. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, I think that's a great question. Um, I'll try to be brief. Uh, one thing that I think is important here is that that Jacques Vallée does a great job of, for himself anyway, defining kind of what's the difference between just an experience, like just an experiencer or somebody that has an experience or a, an interpersonal communication with some being that appears to not be um, of our civilization and a contactee, right? And here's a great quote. It's it's quick. Um, and talking about this guy Jacques Bordas, who who basically um, 
encountered a, a humanoid being that kind of sounds like the conception of a Nordic in the Pyrenees. Um, and he says, okay, uh, Jacques says, this had been a fruitful discussion as far as I was concerned. Bordas had demonstrated a critical ability that contactees usually lack. Their commitment to a particular source, the source of what they claim to be their quote-unquote wisdom, is generally so high that it borders on religious fanaticism and indeed often triggers such fanaticism in their believers. Yet Bordas was open-minded. And I think that that, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for all experiencers or all contactees or whatever, because I can't, and I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but I think that, that that's been a pretty pervasive de definition for a while that, that contactees do that in terms of embracing what they hear as the truth. And for me, um, I resist that. Um, I, it's not because I haven't been told things that, that were in, in situations like that, that sometimes turned out to be true, sometimes turned out to be false. Sometimes they're just absolutely unknowable and I never would know them. Um, but I recognize, I keep recognizing the, the folly of, of believing everything you hear because just because you're talking to the smartest person in the room doesn't mean that she's right or that she's even telling you the truth. And I try to, I try to remember that as much as humanly possible you know, especially like we were saying earlier, when you when you're not even sure what that intelligence or that entity even truly looks like, you know, um, and that and you know, as some people say, that might have a lot to do with um, that might be to do with deception. It could also be that that some of these beings aren't native to that they aren't understandable to the way that we've evolved our senses in a normal way. And so there, there's a necessary element of holography or projection or something that has, has to happen there. But, you know, it, I don't know, you know, and yeah. Does that make do, sense? Do you find, what does, it does do you find sense. yourself um, like really turned away by those that, that don't kind of approach it with that level of, um, in a sort of complexity because I, I i'm hearing what you're saying that you're not settling on a on a particular you know it is x you know you, you're very much open to mm -hmm. what the experience taught you is teaching you you're you're continually kind of relating with it it's not a, a static thing that just happened and it doesn't change you over time you are right. changing with that but do you how do you react to those that that don't seem to possess that quality do, do your hackles kind of go up do you do you, you know, how do you, how do you I, wrestle with that? I feel challenged by it sometimes, like with the experiencer group, for example, there have been a couple notable cases where people have kind of had the air of a contactee or feel that their particular bent on some, on something was the only, was the proper way to look at things. And that's actually something that is a stated policy. It's in our terms and conditions that people aren't supposed to proselytize with each other. Um, and that that it's actually kind of that people can be kicked out of the group for 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 not being open-minded <laughs> essentially which is a large gray area and we recognize that and we have to kind of look at it as a case-by-case basis but it's one of those things where it's like you know it when you see it do you know what i mean and i i have a i have a it's challenging because it it really comes down for me it comes down to a position of free will and agency and and whether it's welcome or not do you know what i mean if somebody just 
has a, a a a bizarre experience like this guy Jacques did, and some humanoid being says something that's that they have to that they then take as the truth and it's absolutely going to happen. Like the world's going to end in 10 days or something like that, whatever the hell it is, you know? Um, but say it's 40 years out. So the person has to kind of question it the whole time. I feel sorry for that situation. You know, I mean, I do recognize that, that I see these tendencies and there's, there's a lot of, there is a lot of deception and, you know, it's super appropriate that valet, called it messengers of deception because it's it's often not just the beings themselves but it's then these 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 cult leaders like t and doe you know marshall applewhite and people like that 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 then take something that could have been an honest to god or honest to them experience and then because of their own personal psychology their own way of processing trauma their own way of processing the big mysteries of life they feel that they need to put themselves in the pulpit for, because of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but I, 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 I'm resistant to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. a game of telephone, right guys? Where like they, even if they did tell you something and as you mentioned, there could be like a whole, like we have cultural differences on earth here. We're dealing with maybe like a species type of cultural difference where they're saying like trying to tell us in a way that we understand, but in, as we see so many translations, even on earth, and in this, I don't know, dimension, there there's some words that other languages and cultures have that some, like English, it doesn't have a word for it. So that I, that's something I've often wondered, wondered about. And I'm like Jay in the fact that like my experiences have, my explanation from the experiences has changed as I learn more and I read more. I think it's really dangerous and scary to be, to be somebody um that was given a message and then tell everybody and then it never happens, which we see over and over. And I also have a lot of like compassion for that because I've had friends like that, that have received like psychic messages and it really messes with them. They'll be like, I'm so confused. Like they told me this was going to happen. And then it gets more extreme. Now people are saying, Oh, well I must've hopped to another timeline. So it's actually kind of dangerous for that person and their, um, their grasp with like reality So that's one of the scarier things that happens, you know. Um, When I was little, I was sure that these beings were angels and demons. I was sure because I was raised Catholic. And now I'm like, wait a minute, like nothing really had like wings or they never said they were an angel or nothing ever said, hey, I'm a demon. Hey, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Beelzebub here. (laughs) So that never happened. But it was my interpretation with like being a little girl and knowing what I knew from like Bible Bible studies and, you know, being raised Catholic with saints and all that stuff. So um, I I try to hold space for people no matter what they're experiencing. But I think that anytime somebody 100% agrees to an answer or a truth, it's dangerous to their development. And if they're in a prominent position, like if you're in a site, if you're a scientist, for example, then it or a cult leader or a religious figure, it's dangerous because you're not allowing for any growth to happen and a lot of people do that because some people do it because they're afraid of being wrong but some people do it because they really truly believe that what they've been told is the truth even if it doesn't happen and they'll keep making up more and more or they'll keep having more messages come through to explain it so the the one of the frustrating parts of you know 
the the UFO thing and beings and non-human entities in these messages and what you just said about I used to think that they were this because I was raised angels and demons now I'm like this but in the end either one of those you can't really prove or disprove you know um, if you dig far enough and keep asking the question why and how you'll notice that you can't prove any of them you know prove or disprove um which which is very interesting so it's difficult but one thing you know having been raised uh christian as well what and what has kind of uh tossed me off of that path as i grew older was you know if there's this thing or there's this god that is as smart as is told to me right especially when it's you know walked as a human or whatever and that person would know how extremely difficult it is for a human to believe what this thing is telling you you know so then to expect me to actually carry it out that thing that superior intelligence would know better and how complicated and difficult that would be to actually do that and so this so the whole scenario of that gets kind of tossed on its butt because something smarter than you would realize how impossible of a task and how much they're asking of you to begin with, you know? And so like, you know, there's all these religions and everyone who believes one is so convinced that it's true, right? So convinced and they live their lives for it. So why would this God that you picked to tell me to worship or this alien or this UFO or this cult or whatever, why would this one be right over that one? And if this one was really that smart and intelligent, it would know better. It would know that it's an impossible choice for me to really make. <laughs> That's definitely the reasoning, no. right? Like people that are that I could see that happening because I mean, I wish they would have told me what to do with my life because I'm still confused. But so that's know? why I say you can't only take you can't only take those messages or whatever so seriously because right. if it really expects you to take it to heart and act on it, it must not be that smart. Yeah, but yeah. you we got to take into account people that are like in some weird transition or like maybe almost prey because of like where they are, um, you know, with mental health or events in their life are more likely or like the maybe they've lost hope they want they're looking for something to tell them what to do or looking for an answer any answer and that's the first thing that happens you know what i mean and that's kind of scary to think that um if there is human aspects involved in this phenomenon or if there isn't there it's like what it's kind of like a a horrible way to go about things like it's it's a cheap shot almost um we don't have a lot of time i don't know i know a lot of people are going to be going to vinny's channel um, at the hour, but I know I can catch up. But I did have one question. But first, I'm gonna. I'm gonna what if people get, think like, we're serious? What'd you do to them? Vinny knows we love us, even though he's <laughs> even though he's my dropout. I say you're my dropout, Vinny, because you didn't read the book by him, and now you're gone. Um, I'm gonna get the group, um, the panel's uh, book suggestion, and then I have a question for you guys about part three of the book, which covers cattle mutilations and then mutilations and all that. So, Graham, what is your book suggestion? It all comes back to Trickster. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Valley, yes, they're basically. Again, it's, a, it's an oldie but a goodie. So, it's uh, Timothy Good's Above Top Secret. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Interesting. 
I'm huh. not that damn good because I'm lazy. I don't want to write his whole and name out. And if it does get picked, it's still fairly cheap on eBay, so you should be able to get a cheap copy. Yeah, guys, get your book, you know, as soon as possible because uh, if you want to participate. <laughs> I'm mostly talking to you guys in the panel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Uh, I'm, in, you know, I have a suggestion, but I'm actually inclined to go with Graham's suggestion as well. I'm just going to double vote here. That's all right. You're allowed uh, I to feel, do that. Uh, I feel bad for Graham because a lot of the books we read are, are <laughs> I, <laughs> don't, I don't mind <laughs> speculative don't mind. areas. Hey, we kicked um, off book club with Graham's book, Graham's book, because it was so amazing. So. I have to repeat that, Nathan. Everything <laughs> we talk about pretty much is speculative. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. Yep. All right, Sean, you ready? This one I'm picking just for Graham. It's called The Planetary Commission. Oh, you're I'm a wild man. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Oh. I wouldn't. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I'll, tri I'll triple his pick. Wow. Oh, wow. Looks like we're good. reading above top secret. Stacking the deck. Maybe we are. Okay. Um, well, now I'm curious. Now I'm like, oh. I could read a line for this. This one's, this chapter, chapter three, starts The Divine Plan. Mm. Oh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it was, yeah, you know, it's one of those books Fun. where you're like, the oh, alien I, gave me an Instapot recipe <laughs> by the author that was of my the only Super message Beans. to humanity get an Instapot. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, maybe I'll, geez, you know, I now I feel like, um, I don't know, now I feel like. I almost want to make just like another Timothy Good pick, just for just for fun, to, to have to have like a false sense of choice. Um. I think that you secretly want like, Graham to have to read some ridiculousness. I I kind of want him to because I cannot wait for like the Graham insults to some of these wild books. Like Graham like insulted somebody. It was like the classiest comeback, and I've seen Vinny people. do it. You don't insult, but you have these like amazing like nut shots, and you just punch somebody in the nuts real fast and walk away on Twitter. And I was I can't remember what you were saying yesterday, but you said, you commented on something, and it was like the classiest nut punch I've ever seen. Or you know, like you're just like okay, person with zero followers, blah blah blah. And I was like, damn, Graham, that was like the, that was so classy the way you said it. But I always feel there's never the there's best. never a good there's never a good way to argue with somebody on Twitter. And if you just resort to you know insults, then you just drop to their level and they're <laughs> they gonna beat you in the head with insults and you're always gonna lose. So it's always nice just to be nice to people when even when you're not being nice to them. I wanted to I wanted to like make you an award. Like so far, Graham gets the classiest diss of 2022 when I read that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. I think Sean might change his book or if he messing just, with us, but Jay. Hey, that actually looks good. It does. It yeah. is. Yeah, but uh, it's yeah. All right, I'm Jay. Just, what I do you think got? Sean's on the three <laughs> Let's see how. Um, what's the page count on Above Top Secret? Just, just oh, curious. Well, the yeah. paperback version I've got. We'll need to get it today. If basically. you don't look at the append, because it's got about a hundred pages of append of like sort sure. of pictures at the back. It's in the four hundreds, four hundred and forty. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll need a couple months. A little light <laughs> reading. And actually, if you, if you get rid of all the kind of you know the forward and the and the sort of the page counts and all the rest of it, you're looking at about maybe four hundred. Some of the forwards in these books could be chapters. I'm like, just make it a chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The forward um, kind of summed up uh, this last book's whole thing. Yeah. To, to be quite honest. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. I mean, you can gosh, stop there. Read the last book. I, I mean, I must admit, I mean, prejudging, but I, I thought it was quite. It was quite quick to read. I remember when I first read it back in mm. 1989 or whatever it was. Um, 
We're all going to be struggling, like, yeah, um, quick read. 93. Yeah, <laughs> 1987 it was published. Yeah, I thought it was about yeah. then. Um, but then again, I tend I think, to rattle through stuff anyway. So, all right. I think I'll go decision. with um, just, just, just for, I mean, it's a false choice, but I'll do Timothy Good's Earth Ooh. and Alien Enterprise. Because um, I've never read that, so yeah, mm, interesting. Okay, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm happy to read Above Top Secret as well, but just just to provide a a false sense of choice, <laughs> <laughs> maybe if nothing oh, else. Oh, okay, um, but but Priscilla, what do you want to read? Sense hopefully, of choice. Um, hopefully it hopefully it rhymes with uh, Mimothy Mud. <laughs> well, this might be like a selfish choice because um, I read it already, but I need to. I listen to it, but I want to read it. Um, Trinity uh, with oh. another valet, Paola Harris, mm. because she said yes sure. to coming on my channel. Mm. And I guess we're excited. reading that then. <laughs> I would totally read that as well. Okay, so do we do we pick the name out of a hat, or are we? Yeah. This time? yeah. What are we doing? Okay. Um. You know what? Since it's just us, I'll do a poll. Is that fair? Even though we only sure. got three choices because three of you guys picked. I'm fine with it. I haven't read that. So um, we will do a poll. Um, I'll do a poll. There we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Real Thank quick you. before everybody migrates over to Disclosure Team to see Lou and Sean and Dan and all those guys. Uh, quick thoughts on cattle mutilation. <laughs> and I want to start with Graham. Oh, quick. Graham yeah. Luckily, I figured it out in two sentences. All right, Graham, your thoughts. <laughs> it used to frighten the hell out of me when I, when I first read it about how you know the kind of all the black helicopters element in it, the kind of strange the, the precision, the surgical precision that was involved. And it, it just really weirded me out. I will the only thing that ever came close to actually sort of making me kind of be frightened lying in bed reading at night when I was a kid was the Kelly Hopkinvilles, oh. um the kind of the yeah. little green goblin things that were floating around and it sounded like a bucket when he was shooting at them. Um, that was about the closest I got to being really scared about kind of things and it was just this whole kind of weird element about you know animals being spirited away and and or, or being dropped by things or just by the coming across them and finding these strange cuts and i've never ever been really comfortable reading about it just it's one of those things that just really kind of makes me kind of uh, should i i can understand that because they're just animals like it's, it's so sad because it could be us yeah yeah. And there has been some reports be on of the, on us being table. on that end of it. Yeah. So, Nathan, what about you? They are going to town in that disclosure team video. They're talking oh, are they? pretty serious. I can see oh, it. Lou's not there yet, though. <laughs> well, it creeps me out, too. Uh, I'll throw this weird speculative. If you guys got to go, go. It's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this speculative wrench. It's kind of weird to me that cattle mutilation, uh, you know, cattle and the importance of cattle in religious ceremony in history so there's i'm yeah. not saying there's a correlation there but it, it's a little bit weird to me that you know that huh. there is a, a long history of, of animal sacrifice and religious uh ritual poor cows they're like not again no like <laughs> can't get the break do, do we have time to get on the human mutilation yeah no. sure <laughs> no i mean oh. uh <laughs> I'm uh, not in a rush. I will catch up on anything I've missed, but I don't want to have people sure. stay if they don't want to stay. So. <laughs> you notice the, the chat stops, so I'm assuming everybody's like, okay, bye. <laughs> but for people listening later, I don't mind. Um, Sean, what do you want to say? Cattles, humans, all of it? To, 
to me it's it's just adding it's just another aspect of the same thing to be quite honest with you it's it's more confusion it's more you know uh, hard facts mixed with hoax mixed with other situations you know there are some mutilations there's like there is no possible way anybody living could do this right now at this point with these yeah. cuts and in this way and then there's other ones where you know you'll they'll take samples and find mescaline in, in the calf system or whatever you know or wow. or a drug or a ritual thing set up you know not too far away and there's all these things combined and it makes it almost like impossible to 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 get to a root cause because there's so much messiness involved with it but there's enough a uh, real genuine mystery to keep you searching. But there's always something trying to screw it up for you. You know, like yeah. one of the worst parts of ufology is, um, you know, the the grandstanders or the, the people who, who tend to know the answer, just like these mutilations, the people that come in and, and, you know, tend to know what this is or that is. And it just screws up the genuine mystery for everyone. Like, and, and I think the cattle mutilations are just another uh, layer on top of everything else. And it all matches in that it's chaos <laughs> and it's uncontrolled, you know, yeah. it, it is all so over the place. <laughs> I would fight ballet's controlled system by calling it an uncontrolled system and how to yeah. live with that uncontrolled system. You heard it here, Sean would shite, fight Jacques Ballet. <laughs> well if anybody if sean can get him on holy crap yeah 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 he doesn't respond to me so I'm, he doesn't respond to many people i'm gonna see him next week in houston though okay um, well i'm, I'm wondering uh, how, how good i mean I'm not, you need to like I'm, become I mean, his best friend i'm yeah i'm not planning that I'm, I'm not assuming that i'm gonna be able to like have breakfast with a guy or anything like that but well your I'm your gonna... mission is to have breakfast with him all right <laughs> i'll do my best we're gonna pretty you up I... and send you out there into the world <laughs> yeah i i hear he doesn't drink much so i i don't know how i'm gonna be able to convince him of anything <laughs> if that's the case um <laughs> but um as far as cattle mutilate cattle mutilations go or mutilations in general i mean i think it's a I think it's fascinating. It's it's scary, but it's also fascinating. I mean, you know, there's all the data points that have that people have brought up before in terms of their, you know, people raise cattle in almost every area of of the populated planet. So and it's a it's typically a it's an animal where like loss and uh, is kind of built into the, the process of raising cattle. And so it's kind of it, it's something that seems targeted, maybe in the terms of acceptable losses. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we can speculate about why cows um, mm. and and but in the end, you know, I think one of the most important things is that is to kind of keep remembering that when we when we're talking, you know, through the course of this discussion today, we've touched on Nordics, we've touched on cattle mutilations, we've touched on, on telepathic cases, you know, we just by kind of blindly walking through this without better taxonomies and better direction, we might've been talking about eight to 12 different groups just in the course of, or species just in the course of our conversation today, somehow, you know what I mean? 
um, between the orbs and the cattle mutilation and this, that, and the other thing. There could be a whole zoo's worth of other species out there that that we're conflating as one or two things, and, and it may be you know a million zoos worth of of of, of species out there. Um, but you know, in the end, I think it's it's one of the more cattle mutilation is useful because it's one of those things that can get people. I on just board. heard that part. Cattle yeah. mutilation is useful. <laughs> okay, I, I I really hope somebody clips that out and and, and makes me look like a, makes me look like a goddamn monster. Cattle uh, <laughs> mutilation okay, is useful. Yeah, that's gonna be terrible. Get, 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 oh shit. Oh yeah. Good old Jay Christopher, cattle <laughs> mutilation is useful. King. That's the next t shirt, Sean. Jay walking down the street getting hit with red, like, you know, the red paint. Yeah. Cattle we canceled Jay. Oh my God. I am so getting downvoted on this one. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm sorry I brought down like the people club. I like it. <laughs> All right. I'm so sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, where, 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 do, where do we go from there? <laughs> Well, I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm happy that we're discussing this book. There are so many things that and that came up in this book that we haven't been able to touch on today because it's a really, I know. it's such a deep and, book. <laughs> yeah. And I would recommend it to anybody, especially, um, maybe especially people that are, that, um, haven't really taken, taken the time to think about how much their, their preconceived ideas and how much their, their belief systems have impacted their their outlook with regard to the phenomena or ufology in general, um, because I, I think it does a great job of of humbling the readership yeah. <laughs> in some ways <laughs> and and making us question our own our own expectations, which is great. Yeah. Right. If you ever if you ever find yourself maybe going towards one side or another too hard, you're like, man. I'm finding myself like a little too grounded with these specific beliefs. What do I have to really prove uh, my effort here or my actions here? Um, read that book and yeah. then Absolutely. see how you feel. Yep. Read anything by Jacques <laughs> Vallée or American Cosmic and you'll be like, wait a minute, what was I thinking earlier? Like <laughs> reform. <laughs> the thing is too, though, I think it's important to think like you may not be wrong, but you just have to know you you may not be right. There's other things out there, exactly, or other answers. Yeah. I'm sorry yep. if anybody hears that. Speaking of cows, there's so Yeah. If you have, for anybody out there, if you want to be more confused than you were two weeks ago, <laughs> read Jacques Vallée. Yeah. That'll do uh, it. Yeah. 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 That's my 14 year old self talking after after I read Passport Mago to Mago. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. and I, I, it's, it's the same now, you know, 40 years later. That is um, so funny. Yeah. A philosophical a... concussion. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, re I read, um, Diana was talking about Nietzsche. I read that like in seventh grade. Mm. And I was like, my uh, counselor, I was, yeah, I saw a counselor, other reasons. I'm not really crazy, but I had, they had me talking to a counselor because I was in Catholic school and I was asking about spirits and checking out UFO books. So um, they had me see a counselor for what that was one of the reasons. And they just thought, oh, this kid's like, on the way to hell because she's asking questions <laughs> i got uh, you know i failed like their bible study class and uh anyway um i was i told her i was reading that and she's like 
why are you reading that right now? Like he's a shamanist and all this stuff. And I was like, well, you know, you got to see like everybody's viewpoint, whether you like it or not, because that's how you grow. And that's how you get you ask questions and you might find things out about yourself or the other person that you never would have thought of otherwise. But, ask all yeah. the questions. Ask all the questions, guys. We could talk about this book for like every wife, day. The first question she would ask is, there's a spaceship. Where are the bathrooms? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be going with her because obviously girls gravitate to the bathroom. <laughs> Where's the bar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the movies, uh, we're watching a movie. It's, it's like they're in this spot where they're there for a while. She's like, come on, where's the bathroom? <laughs> that's not even possible. <laughs> like, that's how, you, that's how you gauge this stuff. Well, maybe it's a, maybe that's the answer. It's just got the answers, yeah. It's got to go potty, right? <laughs> well, there's the two takes I've got for this. Got to go potty and congratulations are useful. <laughs> and I'm going to fight John. Hey, uh, you're getting a mug that says that, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I'm going to set one up on my Redbubble um, page, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, cattle mutilations yeah. are really useful. <laughs> I've just got a thumbs up. And a, a really, I'm going to remix it in a song. Really sure. dicky smile. Cattle mutilations. Uh, you gotta go say, potty. Cattle mutilation. You gotta go potty. <laughs> Anyways, if you're listening to audio, like oh yeah, I apologize. Posing for memes already. Oh, if they're watching, you don't apologize. Okay. No. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> Well, so, I really uh, appreciate yeah, this yeah, conversation. No. Despite if I was going to get canceled over anything, it'll be hanging. I'm glad that it's hanging out Don't with you. Don't let guys. Jay come to any cattle farm. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Jay's doing That's the medical relations. That's what we figured out. <laughs> all right, guys. It's so good hanging out with all of you. Um, I had to go tame the wild beasts upstairs. I hear them being wild. And mm -hmm. I don't know if their dad's ready for that. He's probably just ignoring him, but you know, <laughs> I can't block him out like that. So thanks everybody that's listening to audio only on Anomalous Podcast Network. And thank you for joining in the chat or watching on YouTube. Everybody on the panel's information is listed in the description below, as well as ways to support this channel and other channels, uh, other people on this show. Thank you so much again. Like, subscribe, share, and don't be afraid to reach out to any of us. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody.